We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears have now lost three straight games and sit at three and five on the year, and. To no one's surprise, they did not make any moves at the trade deadline on Tuesday. We're here to break down the latest loss against San Francisco. Look forward to the Pittsburgh Steelers matchup on Monday Night Football in Week 9 with a special guest and kind of talk about the direction where the Bears' season is going. Before we do all that, though, let me bring in my co-host and Aaron. We sat here and we talked about it last week, how this team is going in a direction that they don't want to go into. There's a lot of problems with this team and now after a, another loss to San Francisco, appears there's another problem with the defense. And it is, for me, this team is going down the wrong road and it's, it could get um, uglier than before it gets uh, better. Uh, I don't think it's a, if it could get uglier, it's going to get uglier. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man. I mean, you know, I, I said going into this, you know, these last few games that the the San Francisco game was winnable and the four in the and the Steelers game, which is this week, is winnable. And I'm really starting to rethink that because you know the the Steelers are four and three, um, but they've got a really good defense. And you know, honestly, man, like watching around the league, like it just it's it's hard to find very many teams right now that are playing worse than the bears and that's not hyperbole that's not to say that they're playing the worst in the nfl but what it is saying is that they are one of probably about i would say i don't know 10 to 12 teams that are just they're just not good and that's just where it's at and it's funny because if you look at the nfc playoff picture right now the bears are only technically one game out of that final wild card spot with the caveat being that they're one and four in the conference, which basically already sinks their ship. Uh, you know, so I guess it is what it is at this point, but yeah, man, it's just, you know, we, we talked about it last week, how, you know, they were kind of in that weird spot and that things could, you know, go South. And then, you know, we both predicted them the win against San Francisco. And I think it's not even just that they lost. It's how they lost. It's the fact that they dominated the better part of three quarters and they allowed essentially two big plays to get San Francisco back in the game. The first being the deep pass to Debo Samuel uh, at the end of this, at the end of the first half. And then the screen um, to Debo Samuel that went for, what was it? 83 or 84 yards for the tie. It just, you know, those are the kind of things where it's just, you know, the, the bears defense didn't force a punt the entire game. I mean, the only time that they had a point where they didn't, or that they had a drive where they didn't allow points was when uh, Joey Sly, who just got cut, missed a field goal. So, you know, it's just the problem is, is we knew the offense was going to be bad. Um, but if the defense is going to be bad or not even, you know, if they're not going to be top 10, the Bears aren't going to be in a lot of games. I mean, it's just really that simple. Yeah, and that's kind of opposite of what we were both saying a couple of weeks ago. After they beat the Raiders, you know, I thought, okay, this team has a good enough defense where it's going to keep them in games and at least keep it interesting until the end. And then maybe we see how the offense kind of progresses under Justin Fields and, and you go from there. The last three weeks have been the complete opposite. I mean, you look at against Green Bay, against Tampa Bay, and against San Francisco, they've given up over 120 yards on the ground 
all three games. I mean, I, they were gashed for like 184 against um, Tampa Bay. They gave up, you know, a high number again against the 49ers. And then even against Green Bay, A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones just ran all over them. So looking at this game against the 49ers, you're right. No punts. Um, they didn't force a takeaway. They didn't get a sack. I think they might have had just one quarterback hit or one pressure all game. And it was like the first time in like 60 years that they didn't accomplish, you know, any of that in a single game. So it was bad. And, you know, a lot of people say the second half is where they wore down. I, I think that's right. I think the 49ers adjusted and made the right calls um, and kind of went to that outside zone run game with Elijah Mitchell. And we're just kind of running the ball and, and letting, you know, Jimmy Grappolo kind of not, you know, F it up. But this defense really wasn't good for the entire game. You look at the first half, as you said, the only drive that they didn't score points was Joey Sly. And the 49ers could have had a big lead at halftime. They were just so much self-inflicting wounds that they had themselves um, in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo making bad throws, uh, not executing on plays. This thing could have got a lot uglier, you know, at halftime. And the Bears offense, I thought, played well. Um, you still need to turn a lot of these drives into touchdowns, not field goals. Um, you know, they had a bunch of scoring drives. I think they only punted one time in the game. And you look at it, if you only punt once in the game as an offense, you should be right there or you should be in the lead. And that, that just wasn't the case. So, yeah, it was disappointing, disheartening, because we know exactly what this offense is. The, the offense is pretty much dead last in every, you know, major category outside of rushing. I mean, points per game, they're near the bottom. Third down conversions are near the bottom. Total yards per game, you know, they're, they're dead last. Um, yards per play, they're dead last. Um, yeah, passing yards per game, they're dead last. And now you look at it, and the defense is kind of a sinking ship. And when that happens, I mean, this thing is starting to crumble. And I don't know how Matt Nagy and his coaching staff are, are going to fix this. I don't know if they are. I mean, I think really the big thing right now defensively for the Bears over the last two weeks in which they've had pretty much their two worst game and not even pretty much they've had their two worst games defensively. Guess who hasn't got a sack on the quarterback after leading the league in sacks going into week seven, the bears haven't hardly touched the quarterback. They hardly touched Tom Brady. I can't even remember and correct me if I'm wrong. I can't even remember a single hit that they had on Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I don't think they did. And, and that's a thing where it's just you you can't, especially with that secondary. And that was one of the things that we talked about a lot during training camp in the preseason. The Bears secondary is questionable. I mean, there's just no way around it. Jalen Johnson is having a pretty good year. Uh, you know, he's not he's definitely not playing at the level that he was when he got off of his hot start earlier in the year, but he's still playing, you know, well. Kendall Vildor, just not it on the outside. Duke Shelley actually hasn't been too bad in the nickel for the most part. Eddie Jackson's been kind of so-so and then obviously he gets hurt so it's like there's a lot of issues in the secondary and if you look at all the money that the Bears have tied in the, the bulk of their money that is tied in right now outside of the dead money is all on the front seven and the fact is is the Bears just haven't got any pressure I mean we're talking about a guy in Cleo Mack who obviously didn't play this last week but the week before he's been dealing with a foot injury didn't have a sack after having, you know, six sacks in six games. Robert Quinn comes back, makes some good plays. I'm not dogging on him at all, but he didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, you know, Bilal Nichols still doesn't have a sack. Um, Mario Edwards Jr. hasn't done anything since coming off the suspension, you know, after the first two weeks of the season. There's just a lot of money and a lot of resources tied up on this front seven. And over the last two weeks, they haven't done a whole lot. And that's where I think a lot of the issues are. But I think one of the things that you pointed out, that I, I think really needs to be noted here is the lack of adjustments, right? The lack of adjustments by the Bears. The 49ers came out. I don't even think Kyle Shanahan's that good of a coach. I really don't. I think he's been overrated because of his dad. I think he's been overrated because of his offense and the fact that everybody just seems to love the 49ers and John Lynch for whatever reason. Regard, you know, I mean, never mind the fact that they've had what one winning season and that was a Super Bowl season since this regime, this regime's been together. But either way. Their coaching staff comes out and, you know, goes into halftime, comes out in the second half, makes a ton of adjustments, and they blew the doors off the Bears in the second half. I mean, they, they, they kept going offensively. The defense figured it out for the most part. And then you look at the Bears' side of things. The defense got 
way worse. I mean, they started instead of giving up field goals or giving up touchdowns. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball and they just simply stopped scoring points. And that's just one of those things where we've seen it so much. Matt Nagy wasn't at the game. So you can't blame Matt Nagy for certain things. But I think what we're coming to the realization of is something simple. The bears have a bad coaching staff. The bear, like regardless of what you look at, uh, you know, obviously I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's time to make a determination on Sean Desai yet, but I think you can look at the offensive coaching staff, the special teams, and just overall the bears have a very well below average coaching staff at this point. And I don't know, man, it's just kind of getting to that point. And it's kind of unfortunate because we still have nine games left in the season. And, you know, at this point in time, it's, it's really about the development of some of these younger players and, you know, so on and so forth, but it's just, it it's frustrating because you know when you go back and you look at the press conference and I keep referencing this and I know people are going to get tired of it but I'm going to keep on talking about it because that was a huge point in the Bears you know immediate future was when George McCaskey and Ted Phillips sat down on that zoom call and looked everybody virtually in the face and said we still believe in Ryan Pace. We still believe in Matt Nagy, you know, and started citing, you know, all the different things they've made the playoffs two out of the last three years. They haven't had a losing record and completely failed to, to, to see any of the issues that were going on with, the, with this team. The fact that it seemed like no matter what quarterback was in there, their offense was getting worse. You know, their defense was getting worse. They were hemorrhaging talent. Their cap situation was getting worse, but they had the audacity to sit there and tell fans and tell the media that they still believed in this regime and that they thought they could get things right, but they, you know, they needed to show progress. Well, I got news for you. The Bears are three and five. It's a 17-game season. So they're either going to finish below 500 or above 500. And I would put down a good sum of money that it's not going to be above 500. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the Bears still have the second toughest schedule in the entire NFL, uh, you know, remaining. And you just look at the way that they're playing and it's just one of those, if you can't beat the teams that you're supposed to be better than or supposed to be equal to, or, you know, slightly, you know, not as good as, then you're not going to win many games this year. Because if you look at their schedule, the Steelers are a pretty solid team. The Ravens are a really good team. Uh, you know, they've had their kind of their ups and downs, but they're still a really good team. They got the Arizona Cardinals. They still got the, the Packers for a game. There is a lot of tough games left on the schedule. The bears have an absolute gauntlet of a schedule but it kind of goes back to that press conference where every fan for the most part can sit there and objectively look over the last two years. And that's kind of the thing is everybody gets so caught up in 2018, 2018 was a really good year. Things really clicked. That was the most talented roster that the bears had. And guess what? They went 12 and four. They lost in the first round of the playoffs and it has been downhill ever since that was supposed to be the beginning of a new window out of a rebuild. And yet here we are, it, you know, it was a, what was it? A three-year rebuild? Cause the rebuild started, was it 2014 or 2015? It was either a three or four year rebuild. Well, yeah. I believe, uh, well, 14, 15 kind of depends. I mean, you know, the rebuild after Tressman was gone 14. Um, but that first year with John Fox, I don't know how much we could call that a rebuild essentially. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing. So it's like, you start really looking at this situation and you start seeing that, they had one winning season out of a rebuild where I actually thought Ryan Pace did a pretty good job. But the problem is, is once they got out of that rebuild, then all of a sudden Ryan Pace started making stupid moves. And it's like, then you look at Matt Nagy and all of the coaching issues that he has had have come over, you know, af after 2018. So it's like he gets in here, you know, the offense looks improved, you know, by the numbers, not really too much, but overall, you know, you think the arrow is pointing up. And then all of a sudden things have just drastically gone downhill. I shouldn't say drastically. I should say slowly gone downhill. And I think we're going to see the drastic fall off here. But again, it's just, you know, objectively speaking, going into this offseason, we all knew what needed to be done. They backed in the playoffs at eight and eight. They lost their last game and somehow still made it in the playoffs. They lost six games in a row last year and somehow still made it to the playoffs. I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't care how you cut it. You know, 2019 can be the disappointment, then that's fine. But 2020 just shows you who the Bears were. They're not a very good team. And especially with that extra wild card spot, things kind of got a little, you know, it, it, it confused people and it kind of, you know, clouded the judgment and perspective perception of, of the front office. 
But it's unfortunate because now we're sitting in a situation where we know this team isn't good. We know their coaching isn't helping them out. And then you look over at the one thing that we're supposed to be excited about in Justin Fields, and obviously we'll get to that. And it's like, I don't think there's anybody on the face of this planet that can sit here and say that the Bears have done a good job with his development. Now, do I think they've damaged his development or, you know, he's going to come in next year with a new head coaching staff or whatever and, and not be a good quarterback? No, not at all. But it's still frustrating that the Bears have had two cracks at top, basically top 15 quarterbacks, and they cannot seem to get the developmental process, especially in the rookie year, right. Um, you know, luckily, and again, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to more of this with Justin Fields. I mean, dude, Justin Fields had the best game of his NFL career. I don't think anybody can really, unless you look at the box score and didn't watch the game. I mean, he was, he was pretty dang good for the most part. I mean, he had his rookie, rookie ups and downs, but I mean, he was damn good, but again, it's just, it's tough going, knowing that we still have nine games left in the season and seeing everything come crumbling down because again, I mean, and this isn't just, you know, it's not just one of those things that we're, we're talking about it because they're losing. We've been talking about it all off season. We've been talking about it all preseason, you know, through training camp, all that stuff. The bears are not a good team. I got into it with multiple people on Twitter about how I was just being negative and that negative, you know, negativity sells, which I still don't know what that means. I, that, that was selling what I, I'm just simply stating my opinions on the team, whether that's through articles, whether that's through Twitter, doesn't matter. But the reality of it is, is the bears were never a good team coming into this year. They had a few surprising games, but we're seeing things level out kind of like they did last year. And it's just one of those things where, again, I think if you really took a step back and looked at this team during the off season, before they made any moves, this was always going to be a rough offseason. This was always going to be a rough season. The only thing that has made it better is Justin Fields, but that can only cover up so much, especially when you're in the games. And now we're starting to see it in the regular season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you're right. They don't... They're not a good coach team. Uh, the scheme really doesn't work on offense. The defense has done so much for so long that it's finally starting to crumble. And, you know, they're, the injuries are taking a toll um, with, with the defense, you know, poor decisions um, with players are starting to take a toll on, on the defense. And, you know, it's just not a good football team. And we look at today, we look at the NFL trade deadline, and the Bears really didn't make any moves this year. I mean, they, they acquired um, Jakeem Grant, and they were really in a position to sell. I mean, you look at it, they're three and five. They have a very, very tough schedule ahead of them. They're not going to make the playoffs in the NFC. I mean, they technically still have a chance by with math, but they're not going to make it in the NFC. They're just not a good football team. And even if they do, it's going to be that seven seed again where they're going to probably lose in their first round um, like they did last year. So – they had a chance today to kind of sell off some pieces and, you know, Cleo Mack wasn't going to go anywhere because that cap hits hard. Probably weren't going to trade David Montgomery. They probably, you know, likely weren't going to trade Allen Robinson, but it also feels like that this team still believes that they can win. And the people inside that building still believe that they have a shot to make the playoffs this year and kind of do something. And they believe that ever since that January press conference, I mean, they've told us that, that they believe it, that they think they have a roster and it just kind of screwed things up. You know, they, they kind of botched the Justin Fields thing from the start, either make him the starter from day one and have a legit competition 
or make him a third quarterback. None of this stuff where, oh, we're going to go with Andy and then we're going to turn to Justin when he feels comfortable. And then, you know, it all happens and what went down, what went down. And you're right. I, I don't trust their development in Justin Fields. I don't trust his coaching staff to develop Justin Fields. I don't think Justin Fields is broken yet. Um, I just don't like, you know, him moving forward with this particular coaching staff. So they have a lot that they need to work on, a lot that's gone wrong. And, you know, we're kind of stuck in this, like we said last week, this football hell where they believe they're going to win games and they believe they have a shot at the playoffs. And now we're going to be paying for it years down the line because let's face it, next year they don't have a first-round pick. You know, they're going to have to make some big decisions with the cap. They're not going to have Allen Robinson after this year. They're going to have to rebuild on the fly with a rookie quarterback. And you're looking a rebuild in this situation. In my eyes, everything goes right. And they hit on draft picks and they hit on free agents. You can be a contender in the division in 2023. That's everything going right. But more realistically, we're probably looking at what 2024 as being a contender in the, in, in the NFC North. And then potentially the NFC right after that. It's just, they, they, it feels like, they screwed up this offseason. They kept this regime. They, they felt like they were going to be able to win with this regime. And now it's going to set the rebuild back even further. And it, that, that's just very, very frustrating. Well, I, I think I'm under the impression that I don't think they need a full-on rebuild. I mean, obviously, I think their, their roster is going to look a lot different next year, and they don't have a ton of resources but I also think that they're going to be, especially if you get, and that's kind of the thing, right? You have to get the right head coach and GM in here. I mean, there's just no way around it. If Ryan Pace is still here, how can things really change that much? And obviously if Matt Nagy's still here, then you can just write Justin Fields the hell off because it's just not going to work. I mean, it's just simply, I don't care what quarterback, I don't care if you put Joe Namath in his, you know, in his rookie year or in a second year with Matt Nagy, this is not going to work. Like Matt Nagy's not the guy. But I do think that if you get the right guys in and you start making the right moves. Now, I don't know, because here's the thing, right? So let's just kind of take a step back. And obviously, Cincinnati had a little bit more resources. But let's let's look at a team like Cincinnati where, you know, there were a lot of people, including myself, who didn't see them winning more than six or seven games this year. And they're already a five-win team. They've already had some pretty big wins, right? I mean, they're, they're on their way to being a playoff team. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming, but if you look at it, especially Joe Burrow went down halfway through last year. And so I think what you have to look at is I think you have to look at the, the big steps that quarterbacks can take in year two. Uh, We've seen it with Justin Herbert as well, even though Justin Herbert was really good last year, but we see it every year where, you know, sometimes things don't really look that good and teams win five, six, seven games. And then all of a sudden they burst out. I mean, we saw the same thing, you know, with the bears in 2017 and 2018. Now, obviously not quite the same situation because the bears were able to do a lot in that off season in the 2018 off season. But I think my, I think my thing here is, is as long as you have the right leadership and you have the right vision, I think that goes a long way. Um, and I, and I, so I'm not really ready to say 2024, because I think, you know, things will absolutely open up more in 2023. I think that the Bears will be lucky to be, you know, I think it'll be good for them if they can get back into a spot next year where they can win nine or 10 games and get into the playoffs. But again, if you if you kind of turn over this roster a little bit, you get rid of some of the aging vets, you have new leadership and new head coach, new GM. There's still some newness. There's still some honeymoon, you know, factor going on there. Um, and it, I think it feels like a new thing. I think that's kind of the thing right now. Like if you asked, I think if you asked a lot of people, you know, would you rather, you know, make the playoffs at let's just say nine and eight with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace in this current configuration, or would you rather wait until next year and make the playoffs at nine and eight with Justin Fields in his second year, a new head coach and a new GM and, you know, some new pieces on the roster and things looking better. I think everybody's going to say, you know, the latter there. So, you know, but so, but here's my issue with that kind of feeding into that point is we still have an issue this year, right? We're, we're still looking at a situation where again, because, because George McCaskey put these guys in a position where they said you either win or you're gone. I mean, that's the assumption right now, at least I would assume that regardless, I think Matt Nagy's gone. It's just going to be a matter of if Ryan Pace is really as close as everybody thinks he is with, uh, with, you know, the McCaskey family, how much that's going to tie in. But I mean, 
just look at what they did today at the deadline, man. I, I think that says a lot about the job status of both guys right now. I think, again, Matt Nagy's kind of a given at this point, but I think it also says something about Ryan Pace because if Ryan Pace felt more comfortable with his job status, you probably try to find a trade partner for a KMX. You probably try to find a, a trade partner for Allen Robinson because if you are the GM of this team and you are looking towards the future, not just this year, but towards the future, I mean – be objective. I mean, all you have to do is look at this team and see where they're headed. They're not winning anything this year. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit them in any way, shape or form to hold on to guys like Allen Robinson. Like you already pointed out, he's not going to be back next year. I mean, look at his, look at his numbers through eight games right now. I mean, it's absolutely asinine that they are paying him the franchise tag price that they're paying him. He has been their best receiver the entire time he's been in Chicago and this is the type of production and the type of usage that he's getting so far. And again, I'm not blaming it on him. I'm just saying it's just a ridiculous situation. But again, the same thing with Akeem Hicks. I don't care if Akeem Hicks wants to be here. The dude's in his 30s. He can't stay healthy. That's not the kind of player that you need when you're trying to get your team younger and you're trying to move team, uh, move money and cap space from the defense to the offensive side of the ball. That's not a guy. That's not the kind of player that you need. The same thing with Jimmy Graham. There's a lot of guys that the Bears could have sold for pennies on the dollars. It doesn't matter at this point. Save a little bit of cap space, even if it's a few million get a few late round draft picks and maybe a mid round draft pick for Allen Robinson and start tooling up for next year in the, in the future years, but they didn't do that. And I think that that says a lot about the job statuses right now. And I just, I don't know, man, but like I said, I, and maybe it's just living in the moment, you know, cause I, I think a lot of us had kind of assumed that both guys were gone last year when they went through that six game losing streak. This just feels a little bit different. I think it feels different because I don't think anybody had them losing their jobs going into last season, the beginning of last season. I don't think anybody said, oh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the hot seat. I think it was kind of one of those, we're going to find out who the who this team is this year and we'll go from there. But going into this year, the national narrative, the local narrative, the entire narrative has been that if they don't win, these guys are gone. And it just seems like, you know, kind of piling in what we've seen so far during the offseason, some of the desperation moves that Ryan Pace has made and seeing, you know, how, uh, you know, stubborn they've been with some of the decisions that they've made. It just, it, it feels like they are grasping at straws and they are on a sinking ship and they know they're on a sinking ship. But again, why would they care about planning towards the future if you can't win this year, which I'm pretty sure they're they're realizing that they're not going to be able to win this year, then why do you care about what happens the next year and the following year? That's why they, you know why make any trades? It's like you're not going to be here to see anything through. So why make the trades and help the organization out for a time that you're not going to be here? And I think that's where the Bears are at right now. Yeah, and you know I I hope you're right, and I get your point about the Bengals. And what I would say to that though is, in my eyes, when I look at the Bengals team, they hit on the quarterback. I think the Bears hit on the quarterback. I think Justin Fields is going to be really good. But the Bengals did it with, you know, high draft picks, and they got Jamar Chase, and they have T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Their offensive line is a concern. Their defense hit on draft picks and in free agent signings. For me, I feel like the Bears have too many holes to be good earlier than not. Um, I, again, I, I do hope I'm wrong, but I, I think, you know, you look at this team – and you go into next offseason, and you need to fix that offensive line. I think you need a new center, um, whether you move Whitehair or Daniels over, then you're going to need a guard if you do that. Um, I think, you know, you lead, need at least one tackle. I don't know if you're going to get anything from Jason Peters if he comes back next year. I highly doubt it. Um, you know, you're banking on Tevin Jenkins. You're banking on someone like Larry Borm and Jermaine Fetty. And none of those right now make me feel confident. I, I do think Jenkins can be a good player. He hasn't played though. So I can't pencil him in as a legit perennial starter in this league. You're going to need some wide receiver weapons and you're going to need a weapon at tight end because they have absolutely no talent there outside of Darnell Mooney. And that's assuming that, you know, Allen Robinson is gone. You have no one. That, I mean, Darnell Mooney, I, I'm not sold on Cole Komet yet either. Well, they got one receiver under contract moving in the next year right now. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, a, that's that a serious issue in its own. Exactly. I mean, let's look at this way. What positions on the offense we feel legit comfortable I, comfortable about? It's quarterback and running back. Yeah, I was going to say quarterback and running back. And, and running back right is, now, and running back's a dime a dozen. Exactly. Running back's a position you can literally – I mean, look what Philadelphia's done. They, they brought in Jordan Howard again, and he scored a touchdown, and Boston Scott scoring touchdowns. It's like you can find serviceable guys that the Bears have done on their roster with Khalil Herbert. 
I just think, you know, I, I do hope you're right. And I do think that it could happen, but like, I just look and there's just so many holes and you look at defensive back, you need a couple more starters. You got to find a new safety. Um, I just don't think that Sean Gibson and Eddie Jackson experiments working again. Um, and then you got to replace some guys. I mean, we talked about it. Is Bilal Nichols going to get in contract extension? We, if you asked you or I in the beginning of this off season, we both both said, yeah, it's a lock to happen right away. I don't think that's very true anymore. And I don't think, you know, you can bring back Akeem Hicks. Uh, we don't know what to do with Eddie Goldman. You probably have to find another inside linebacker. It's just, they have a lot. They have a lot of needs. And this feels like if they don't find the right GM, you know, in some cases you can find a GM that's competent enough to win, you know, to put your, together your roster and you become a winning team. And he turns into a really damn good GM. I think they need a guy right away. That's going to be a really damn good GM and turn around and then pick the right coach, something they haven't done, you know, in years. And I hate to be a negative Nancy about it, but man, I'm just not getting my hopes up with it. Well, what I will say is, and and you could be, you could be right. I, I, you know, I, again, I, I feel like the bears have enough talent areas. Cause that's kind of the thing, right. Is, yeah, there are a lot of areas of need, but let's just say you let, you know, Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, and then, you know, you let them walk. And then at this point, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know that you can, especially Eddie Goldman, I, I don't know that he's going to play next year. And even if he does play, I, I don't know that you can afford that type of luxury. But let's just put it this way. I mean, w- with all the guys that they have leaving, they're, they're going to be able to create some room. They're going to be able to have some stuff to work with. I think if anything, it's going to be, especially if you're talking a new GM and a new head coach, it's going to be a busy off season. I mean, busy, not just from the GM hire and the head coaching hire and then all the coaches around them and, you know, the, the scouts and so on and so forth. I mean, we're talking, like I said, I mean, there's going to be a massive roster turnover on this team. Like I welcome you know, it. Yeah. Welcome well, and it. at this, at this point you have to, and I think that, but again, I think that's kind of why you have to, at least in my opinion, that's why you have to let Ryan Pace go too. Like you have to just say, okay, we're not, cause let's just, let's just be realistic here. They're not nearly in the position that they were when Phil Emery and, and Mark Tressman left. I mean, that was, that was a real rebuild. That's about what Detroit's going with right now. I mean, they had, they didn't really have an answer at quarterback cause they had Jay Cutler and they knew that they needed somebody else, but they didn't really know what they needed to do. I mean, they had to rebuild that entire defense. They had to rebuild basically the entire offense as well. I mean, at some, at some points, I mean, Trubisky's rookie year, I mean, he was throwing to guys that I can't even remember right now. I mean, it, it, so I don't think it's that bad, but I do think that, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this, this, this roster needs, this roster needs a lot. I do agree with that, but I do think that, they're going to have to make some decisions. They're going to have to make some moves. I can't imagine we're going to see Danny Trevathan back next year. Like I said, maybe one of Bilal Nichols or Keem Hicks. Um, I would almost still lean Bilal Nichols at this point, just because he's younger. And I think you can get him for quite a bit cheaper, but at this point, I mean, you know, Eddie Goldman's probably not a a luxury that you can afford to Sean Gibson. Goodbye. Um, At this point, maybe even, I, I don't know. And he's going to get forced into it regardless. I would see what Deandre Houston Carson has to offer you because if he's at least passable is a starting, you know, is your starting strong safety whenever Eddie Jackson gets back and we'll have to figure that out. But if he's even passable, then that helps you out tremendously because he's not going to get big money. If you can get him for, you know, you know, a two or three year deal at four or $5 million a pop. I mean, that's not bad at all, but yeah, I agree. There's a lot of different work, you know, that needs to be done, but I also think that that kind of feeds into that point of, you get a new face, you know, you get some new faces in here, you get, a, you know, get some new minds in here and really see what you can do. I don't think it will be a crazy quick turnaround, but I also don't think that the bears are going to be in a spot where I, I think they'll have enough resources. And, you know, after obviously this next draft, they'll be back to having, you know, a full repertoire of picks, assuming Ryan Pace isn't here and doesn't trade anything else away. Uh, I, I think they can get back to, a fun point and a, you know, a a contending point by, you know, maybe 2024, but I do think that 2023 is realistic depending on how this next off season goes. But again, if they keep Ryan pace around and they drag this out for another off season or whatever it may be, then we're talking about a completely different situation. I mean, that's kind of the thing, like the McCaskies are going to have to step up, make the right choices, make the tough choices 
and really say, okay, because, and that's the other factor to this too, that we're not really weighing in is we don't know the status of Aaron Rodgers. You know, I don't, you know, I, I don't think any of us know if he's going to be back next year, because if he's not back, I mean, look at Minnesota, dude, Minnesota's a half a game behind the bears right now. Minnesota's got their own problems. Like they got a good offense and they have moments, but the coaching's a question. I, you know, there's just a lot of issues there where it seems like every year they kind of linger right around the 500 mark. And it seems like every other year they disappoint. Um, so the division could be, depending on what happens there in Rodgers, this division could be wide open moving forward, which, you know, could end up turning in an NFC East where maybe an eight or nine win team wins it. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm not ready to submit to the the thought that this is going to be some long drawn out rebuild. And, you know, we're not really going to have meaningful football for two or three years, but I do think this is also going to be a critical point for this franchise where you say, okay, we have our quarterback on a rookie deal. We need to build around him. We need to do everything right, you know, right and possible to make sure that we have the right quarterback. Because as we've seen, if you have the quarterback, a lot of other things can fall into place. Yeah, and there's nothing more valuable than having a legit quarterback on his rookie deal because you could. there's so much more flexibility. You're not always tight with the, with the cap things like that. And I hope that's a path that the bears go down. And I hope that, you know, there is a lot of activity in the off season. I welcome it. I mean, we look back at 2018, they, they made a bunch of moves. Um, you know, 2020, they brought in Robert Quinn, and Nick Foles, but other than that, you know, they haven't had a full, you know, off season where they've just, you know, done a lot of big moves, made a lot of good draft picks, things like that. I do welcome it though. But as far as this team, you know, they're three and five, they're getting set to go on to a Monday night football matchup with a very tough Steelers team. And it just feels like everything's going downhill, but let's get into that. Um, this, the Steelers preview. And we welcome down a special guest, um, Jim Wexel. He'll covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for steel city insider of 24 seven sports.com. Talk to us about the Chicago bears and Pittsburgh Steelers matchup um, where Pittsburgh is right now. They're coming off a big win at Cleveland and are right in that AFC North battle. We're going to ask him questions about the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, their offense, defense, all of that. Listen to the interview. We'll be right back to break, break down our thoughts on the game and kind of wrap things up. We'll be right back after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is publisher Jim Wexel. He is the publisher of the Steel City Insider on 24-7 Sports. He's going to give us some insight on the Pittsburgh Steelers as this week nine matchup between the Chicago Bears and Steelers on Monday Night Football. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to join me, man. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm glad you, you had me on. Uh, uh, like I told you off the, off the screen, off the, off the recording, that uh, I'm a former subscriber to the Bear Report when I was a kid, and that was a long time ago, but... I watched Jack Concanon and Bobby Douglas, and I suffered through all of that. So, yeah, uh, Give me a break today, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're still suffering here in Chicago, especially at the quarterback <laughs> position. We have not found a solution. We hope it's Justin Fields, but uh, to be determined. Yeah, let's get into this. You know, the Steelers to me, they're kind of a fascinating team because they come out and they beat Buffalo in Week One, um, and then they lose to um, Las Vegas. And they kind of have like a little bit of a losing streak before, you know, rebounding with a win at um, against Denver and Seattle. And then they have a big win against the Browns last week. And now they're kind of hit the stretch where it's, you know, the bears and, and lions, two very winnable games. What is the identity of the Steelers team and, and what is the path they have right now um, sitting here in week nine? Yeah. The identity, uh, tough question. We've been asking these coaches that question for years. Um, the identity seems to be of a running team and, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger struggled early 
because I thought, and everybody was saying he was too old and he might be, but I thought his major struggle was lack of confidence in a totally, totally rebuilt offensive line. And a lot of that was justified. Uh, it, he, he shouldn't have had confidence, but it was hurting his play. He was, he was very skittish in the pocket, get rid of, getting rid of balls uh, way before he needed to um, and, and other such quarterback atrocities. And now he's realizing that this offensive line is what he's got and what they're doing. They're, these young guys, these young physical guys are giving him better run, uh, run blocking. They're strong and physical and the interior was getting a lot of push against Cleveland and they have a good running back, but the, it's the line that's getting better, but still, you know, their left tackles, a rookie fourth round pick who I think has a lot of potential Dan Moore out of Texas A&M, but he was up against miles Garrett and often on third down third and seven, third and nine, uh, they would not help more. And so Ben, you know, dropped back with his head turned left to his blind side uh and and he would throw quickly timing routes uh for first downs he was com he was completing these he's getting used to what he has up front and he's not he's not as afraid he, he's not as skittish let's put it that way he's dealing with it and miles garrett whipped that rookie all day but the steelers got away with it because ben ben adapted and that's been a big part offensively defensively you know they have a lot of talent but I seem, it seems like they think they have more talent than they do. And when they don't play as hard as they did against Cleveland, they get beat. Uh, you know, the Seattle game was a debacle. They, they were so lucky that Geno Smith was the quarterback. Not that Geno played poorly. It's just that he wasn't Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson would have, would have kicked their butts that day because the, the Seattle run game was running all over them. And uh, the tackling was so poor. They just weren't playing as hard as they did against Cleveland. So now you, you look at the Bears coming in, an NFC team. Do the Steelers realize that they have to continue to play that hard? That, that's the question. Uh, the extra day and, and having the game at Heinz Field at night on a three-game win streak should, should keep the impetus going, should, should provide enough motivation to play as hard as they did against uh cleveland and well that remains to be seen you know ben is a fascinating quarterback and he's not the guy he was 10 years ago that, that's pretty obvious what has he had to do in his game to kind of adjust to you know playing in the steelers offense and then kind of playing in this this day of nfl i mean is he getting the ball out quicker um, i know he's not as mobile as he used to be um has he changed anything well, that's the thing. He was mobile and strong and hard to bring down. And so much of his game was based on street ball, you know, break, break the tackle in the backfield, avoid the sack, look up and see Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown redoing whatever route, whatever playground route he, he and Ben uh, had a great understanding of. And then he would throw the ball. And I'm not saying that was all Ben did, but I, now he's been forced to read defenses better. He, he can't do what he used to do. <laughs> he still throws some amazing. I mean, he's not Peyton Manning. He Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl at 39 years old. That's how the old Ben is now. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl at 39 with less of an arm than Ben has right now. Worse mobility, but man, Peyton, and we all know this. Peyton could read defenses. I think Ben has really had to work on that because he can't play that playground ball he used to he used to get away with playing and he used to chafe when we'd say that he, he hated that description of him but as we watched as he's gotten older he's still trying to do that it's not working so he's he's had to adapt to the rpos of today and that wasn't easy for him he would throw uh, ints to nose tackles in the end zone from the two-yard line on rpos while these young guys like mason rudolph come out of college trained in that kind of game it, it's taken Ben a while, but, you know, if you, if you saw the game and you saw that 50 yard pass on a, on a short slant to, to Deontay Johnson at the end, that kind of wrapped it up. That was a beautiful RPO. And that, you know, I think Ben's starting to get that. It, it's starting to become natural to him. I, I look at the Steelers defense and there's talent everywhere. And, um, you know, they moved on from Melvin Ingram, but they still have, you know, elite pass rushers. They can get after the quarterback 
that really worries me um, because the Bears' offensive line has been a train wreck. They've been a mess, and no matter you know how mobile Justin Fields is, plays seem to break down too often than not. What do you think Pittsburgh will do defensively? Do you think they'll throw you know different looks, kind of disguise blitzes at the rookie? Um, you know, will they just kind of show the blitz and, and bring the blitz? How do you think they'll attack the Bears' offense? Well, they're worried about Fields' mobility. Uh, Tom has been talking about mobile quarterbacks all season. It just, <laughs> I, I, I just have to believe he's got his eye on a mobile quarterback for next year to replace Ben because he keeps talking about this global study of mobile quarterbacks. And he brought it up again with Justin Fields coming off a hundred yard rushing game. I, I think if you watch the Cleveland game, you're going to see their game plan right there. They focused on stopping the run against Cleveland. The Steelers have been without their nose tackle Tyson Alou-Alou uh, since early in the year and Isaiah Bugs has replaced him and, and Bugs was a disaster against Seattle and I thought he would get less fewer reps uh, but they gave him more reps against Cleveland and they, they were determined to use their base defense to stop Cleveland's running game and force Baker Mayfield to pass now it worked because Baker Mayfield I believe right now is not the passer he's going to be later once he gets used to this harness or whatever he's wearing for that left shoulder so uh, Baker Mayfield was off and they could they could concentrate on stopping the run. And I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, I mean, the Bears have good receivers and the Browns have good receivers, too. But they they remain steadfast in their attention on stopping the run. And Baker Mayfield's a mobile quarterback, too. So whatever they had in the game plan for that mobile quarterback, I expect the same kind of game. But, uh, uh, Cleveland is a uh, strong a tight end team they 12 and 13 personnel and from what I understand the Bears do the same thing so if you just watch the Cleveland game I think that's what you're going to see out of the Bear, uh, the Steelers defense and look at the Steelers defense I, I noticed they don't really take the football away a lot but I don't know for whatever reason they haven't been able to get their hands on the football force fumbles interceptions and the Bears you know Justin Fields has fumbled a couple times thrown some kind of bad interceptions he's had also had bad luck with you know football's off his receiver's hands why haven't the Steelers been able to force the takeaways? Hmm, good question. I don't know that there's a real answer. I, you know, I, I believe that's a lot of, you know, stuff like that comes in bunches. The fact that they're not talking about it this week could portend well for them this week against a rookie quarterback. Um, they got their, they got their, their fumbles when they needed it. I mean, uh, against Seattle late, uh, they, they forced a fumble and they won in overtime. And then uh, Jarvis Landry, they forced a fumble with him. And uh, Minka doesn't, Minka Fitzpatrick is an exceptional free safety who's been trying to do more this year. They got a rookie seventh rounder named Norwood out of Oklahoma that they want as a free safety to allow Minka to do more Troy Polamalu things. I know Troy was a strong safety and Minka's a free safety, but Minka isn't just Ed Reed. He's just not a ball hawk. He, he is also a physical player who can do a lot of things and they want him doing a lot of different things. So I think a lot of that is not only allowed, uh, not allowed, but caused Minka to miss some deep balls that have hurt the Steelers this year. Uh, but it, I think it's, it's, it's dug into his takeaways and I think he's playing a little more free safety now. I don't know that's what they want. I don't know that's good for the Steelers defense in the long haul, but as, as Minka relaxes more, he's going to pick more passes off. And, you know, they are not throwing Joe, Joe Hayden's way. And he's a good ball Hawk too, for a cornerback. They're not throwing his way because the other corner is gone. Um, Steven Nelson's gone and they've replaced him with Cam Sutton and, then Cam has moved inside to Nickel and James Pierre, a young DB, has, has played corner. So cornerback, uh, quarterbacks are throwing more at that cornerback than Joe Hayden. And so those are your two key interceptors right there. And Devin Bush is still recovering from his ACL slowly but surely. You know, I, I've become critical of Devin lately because they traded up to number 10. And when you trade up there, you better come out way with Mike Singletary. You know, if you're getting a, an inside linebacker and Devin hasn't been that guy, although he's very fast. You watch him when you watch that Cleveland tape, you'll see him flying around disrupting their screen game. That, that was big for Cleveland, but he's just not. And it may have to do with coming back from the ACL. It's been about a year now, so it's about time for Devin to show more Devin Bush 
speed and the reason why they traded up to number 10 a few years ago to get him. We talked about Ben on the offense. Another player that I got my eye on is Najee Harris, the rookie out of Alabama. He's been impressive so far from what I've seen. Um, you kind of feel like he's licking his chops seeing this Bears rush defense give up 120 on the ground in each of their last three games? I, I don't know that. I mean, he's a rookie, and he's he has two rookies up front. A, a third uh, offensive lineman uh, is a second-year guy out of Louisiana Lafayette, so he might as well be a rookie. Um, uh, old Trey Turner is uh, hanging in there for him at right guard. I don't think they licked their chops over any run defense. So, you know, if it, if it happens, it'll be more out of stick-to-itiveness, perseverance, guts. They, they have no reason to lick their chops at anybody, and uh, I doubt they will with the Bears, but maybe they'll be hopeful. I, I really haven't seen the Bears yet, which I hate to admit being an old Bears fan, but um, – uh, you know, Najee's not the kind of guy to take anything lightly, and this offensive line doesn't deserve to take anything lightly. But it's just Dan Moore, the left tackle, for instance, that I talked about before, who couldn't block Miles Garrett. He's a really good run blocker, so they want to keep playing him. So yeah, they're they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to run the ball, no doubt about it. Can you give us maybe uh, one guy on offense, you know, not named Najee Harris or Ben Roethlisberger, that could actually have an impact on this game and maybe change things for the Steelers? Oh, that's easily. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, the second-round tight end, uh, who looks more like Heath Miller every single day. And I thought he looked like Heath Miller the first day I saw him. Um, he caught the winning touchdown pass last week. Great hands, great red zone player. Uh, not a great blocker yet, but he's got a lot of want to. And Ben loved him in camp. And then he, Ben's only couple series in the preseason, he went to Fryermuth twice for touchdowns. And they were back shoulders, back shoulder throws down the middle of the field. Fryermuth can really catch the ball. And uh, 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 I asked Ben about him looking like Heath. And Ben said, shh, don't say anything about Fryermuth. I, I, I'm mad that I threw to him in this preseason game. So Ben has loved him for a long time. And finally, you know, he seems to be reacquainting himself with Fryermuth. So I would look, I would look at Fryermuth this game. And of course, Chase Claypool is an outstanding receiver. You know him from Notre Dame. And um, Deontay Johnson is an outstanding receiver, too. Yes, they miss Juju, but they're deep at wide receiver. And before I let you go here, thanks again for joining me. Um, maybe give us, you know, your biggest X factor in this game overall. What's going to be the biggest difference maker for the Steelers? That they don't let down, that they, they play as hard as they did against Cleveland. They haven't played that hard defensively. They haven't tackled that well. And I know the Bears have some offensive threats. And if Fields ever gets it going, uh, passing-wise, they're going to be dangerous. So uh, the Steelers had better not let down. I think that's the most important part because, you know, the Steelers have had success with rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, LeBeau was mainly a part of that because he was a genius defensive coordinator. But they, they still use the same uh, schemes and, and uh, techniques. Uh, and and I, I can't imagine it's going to be – an easy game for a rookie quarterback on Monday night at Heinz field when the, the city's finally behind this team again, you know, this, this is a city that's gotten a little spoiled and they don't, they don't really come to cheer hard all the time, but now that they're on a three game winning streak and they just beat Cleveland in a very, to me was impressive the way they tackled and blocked. So I think the fans are going to get behind him. It's going to be really rough for Justin Fields. I think that's your X factor. Awesome stuff, Jim. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter and, and read your work at? I'm at Jim Wexel. It's uh, um, uh, just Jim Wexel, W-E-X-E-L-L -L on Twitter. And catch me on Facebook. I write some stuff on Facebook. You're going to get a lot of Ohio Bobcats with me, too. <laughs> We're in the final four. My daughter's the goalkeeper. And uh, um, I wrote a book called Polamalu. I just put it out last November. So it's been out a year now. Uh, it's timeless. It's the biography of Troy Polamalu, and it got rave reviews in Pittsburgh. So, any any Steelers fans listening can pick that up for this Christmas. It's just as it's just as fresh as it was last year. Awesome, good stuff, Jim. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Hey, thanks so much. It was a really good interview. Thank you, man. Thank you. And welcome back in once again. That was Jim Wexel of Steel City Insider to give us a great inside look at the Pittsburgh Steelers ahead of week nine against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football, um, a matchup that 
you know, it could get ugly. And if you've been watching the Manning cast, which are great on Monday Night Football on ESPN2, they have a bye week this week. So we're kind of stuck with the regular broadcast. So not a lot of fun going on with that, especially if the Bears are losing. But Aaron, uh, we were both right in our predictions last week. We both had the um, 49ers being the Bears. This week, I think we'll both be on the same page, you know, unless you're going to shock me here. But I'm going to go with the um, Steelers winning the game. I'm going to say it's like 27-20. Pittsburgh wins. I I just think they're too much. The Bears get a late touchdown to kind of make it look closer. But Pittsburgh defense gives Chicago's offense fits. Um, You know, Justin Fields won't be able to handle some of the pressure out there with their pass rush. Um, Steelers have a solid defense, solid secondary and I think it's just going to be too much. I, I don't trust in Matt Nagy's scheme. Um, I, I don't think he's good enough to help Justin Fields be elevated to that next level. And then I think the Bears defense is going to continue their fall and they have another good running back. You know, Najee Harris is a rookie, but he's been pretty good for the Steelers this year. So I don't know. It, it just doesn't have a good feeling about this game. And I, and I think for my X factor, I'm going to go with that, that run defense. They're going to have to stop the run because Ben Roethlisberger is not what he used to be. He can still make plays. Um, you know, you want to get pressure on him and, and kind of disrupt him. I don't know if the Bears defense can be able to do it, especially without Cleo Mack, um, who's likely not to play. I and mean, if they can't stop the run game, things can go downhill in a hurry here. Yeah, no, it's – man, I just <laughs> – it's crazy because a few weeks ago I thought the Bears had a chance in this game. You know, I, who knows? Maybe they do. I it just – it's – I feel like this is going to be one of those games where, um, you know, the, the Bears defense is going to, I mean, the Bears defense has to play well, man. I mean, there's really no other way around it. And it's funny because the Steelers offense really hasn't been that good. Ben Roethlisberger has fallen off a cliff. He's really just not the same quarterback, but I mean, how can you assume anything for the Bears right now? And that's kind of where it's at. So, with that being said, uh, I'm going to go 24 to 13 Steelers. Um, I, I think the Bears are going to have a lot of issues scoring points on this on the Steelers defense. Steelers got a really good defense. They came out and surprised the Browns. I thought the Browns were a better team. Browns are another weird team that it almost the Browns kind of have that 2019 Bears feel to them right now, where it's like you know you thought the entire world was in front of them. They were going to be right in the mix coming out of last year. I mean they almost, they almost got to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were, they were decently close to beating Kansas city, uh, you know, and then things kind of fell apart, but, and, you know, Pittsburgh has been pretty inconsistent. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, how the offense performs and, you know, but with the bears defense playing the way it is, it's, it's not, you know, I'm not overly optimistic. And then obviously with the bears offense, you know, has struggled to score points all year. So why would it be any different against a good defense? So, I think my X factor is going to be uh, the Bears defense. I mean, just the defense as a whole, because again, if the Bears are going to, or if the Bears are going to win any games for the rest of the year, their defense is going to have to play at a good level. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Their offense is putrid. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that it's like, you know, this is this is what the third game out of eight games that they broke the uh, the 300 yard total total yard marker. I mean, that's insane. Like, how is this consistently happening? And the only reason it happened was because Justin Fields had 275 yards of that. So, yeah, I just I, I think the Bears defense is once again going to have to play well. And like you pointed out, man, uh, Najee Harris is going to be an issue. They got some weapons uh, at receiver. I mean, whether it's uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, whether it's Chase Claypool, you know, they're not an explosive offense, but at this point in time, it's just really hard to trust anything the Bears are doing right now. So, yeah, my, my defense is going to be the X factor, but I do not have a uh, great feeling going into this one. Yeah, you know, they're not an explosive offense, but they do the little things right, and they play to their strengths of their offense. I mean, we know Ben Roethlisberger is not the quarterback he was 10 years ago, heck, even five years ago. He struggles to move around. They protect him well. He gets the ball out really quick, which has hurt the Bears, especially over the last couple of weeks. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it. We saw Tom Brady do it. Uh, Matthew Stafford did it in week one. They got the ball out quick, kind of, um, you know, negated that pass rush by doing that. So it's going to be a tough test for this Bears defense. And they're looking at, you know, playing again. I mean, Eddie Jackson likely out. Will Max probably out. Akeem Hicks is not 100%. So, yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb for that defense. And that offense, man, if, if – 
if the Bears offense struggles and, and, and TJ Watt and guys like that are getting pressure, man, it could get ugly again on national television. And hey, you know what? Maybe that's what the Bears need going into the bye week to kind of solidify their decision on Matt Nagy. I think it's pretty much made up. I think we're at 95%. He's not coming back next year. It would take probably like a six, seven um, game win streak and, and, a, and a playoff win in my eyes to do it. But we'll see. I mean, this is the same franchise that also, you know, credited a six game losing streak as a positive to bring back a coach and a GM, which is still one of the most mind boggling things I've ever heard from a Bears press conference. But that's another story. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter and read your work at? Yep. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Awesome. And then again, thank you to Jim Wexel, Steel City Insider. Great interview. Um, you can find him at um, Steel City Insider on 24 7 Sports. You can find the Bear Report on just Bear Report on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Until next week, everyone, please stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com